Hey, use a uh, professor. What's the guy's name? Professor Clink from the yeah, Simpsons, yeah, yeah, the guy yeah, yeah, with the glasses, yeah, yeah. the professor. This is my version of Duncan Smith boy. Oh, I can't believe the people who do that say hot sex to them. They, that's the most obnoxious <laughs> thing on social media. Huh? Hey, man, what's that fucking duck? That who's fucking dumb account is that duck? It's a goose number one. <laughs> that damn goose. <laughs> you guys are like the two crooks from. Get home alone. You guys are just. Yo, I don't know. This I'm definitely cool. not Marv. You're Sham. You're Marv. 100. I got the brain. It's Marv the brown one. Neither one is brown. What? Yo, just intro. I've never seen that movie. Intro man. before I just log off this podcast. And a goose podcast. It is the two gods and a goose podcast. We still exist. We're here. We still exist. Keith and Sham with you. Uh, everyone that follows us on Twitter, Sham has, has been anticipating us doing another show. It's been a couple weeks. I apologize. It's completely my fault. Uh, but we're back, and Sham is loaded with hot takes. Are you fired up about this, Sham? I am smiling from ear to ear. I am so excited to be back. He is very excited, man. He's he's been texting me constantly. I, I, can you can we do it right now? Can we do it right now? Can we do it right now? But we are back. The show is loaded today. Uh, we have some some dope guests, and then also Snotty Drippin is on with us. Wah, wah, wah. I wanted to start though. You know, we've been off for for a minute. I don't want to talk about the Pistons. They're sitting here at thirty and thirty eight. Um, Rod Beer from Detroit News is going to be on with us today. We'll talk Pistons and mostly hip hop with him. But I wanted to start, obviously, with the NCAA tournament, uh, touch on that a little bit. Um, did you get a chance to see Virginia last night? I did. I, I caught the second half of that UMBC-Virginia game, and Virginia looked bad, like really, really bad. Well, the one thing everybody kind of said about Virginia coming into the tournament is their one weakness was tempo. Yeah, and UMBC turned up the tempo. They were running in transition. They were just darting in and out. It was like they had five Ishmits out there. Do you know what UMBC, UMBC, is that what it is? UMBC, what does that stand for? Do you know? I had to look it up, so I know. No, 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 don't look it up. Let's let's take some guesses what it stands for. University of Massachusetts by California. University of men being charming. You must be Cinderella. University of basketball men's college. So they were the first 16 to beat a one. Uh, I know it happened in women's um, NCAA before, but that was the first men's team to do that. So big deal for them. I didn't know they were the pups of some or the pups or the retrievers or something of that. All I saw on my timeline last night was a lot of dog pictures, which air bud. Yeah, it was all about that. I guess that's yeah. Somebody tweeted that was the uh, the um, story for air bud too, apparently. So shout out to um to UMBC for doing that. That was a big deal. And then um, did you want to comment on your Hurricanes getting knocked out? Uh, they were one of the first, quote-unquote, March Madness buzzer beaters. They lost to Loyola of something or other. Yeah, um, I really had high expectations for this Canes team. It was I personally had picked them to lose in the Elite Eight, so my bracket got done. Um, I had them... I, I had them losing to Arizona or something. or I don't remember. My whole bracket's messed up. But I did pick UMBC to win. I don't know that I believe that. It it is on Twitter. It's documented. In one of my brackets, I have UMBC winning. One of your brackets. So what would you do? 60-some-odd brackets? I did three brackets. I did one on CBS for work, and then I had 
one for my friends and one for my fantasy football group. And in the fantasy football group, I chose UMBC to win, but I also chose Radford to win the championship. So you know how that kind of went. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, you know, I don't want to spend too much time in this intro. We want, I want to get to the guests. We're going to talk a lot of NBA today, but I just wanted to throw a little morsel out there, a little something to remind you that my hot take from the last episode, right, about the Houston Rockets beating the Golden State Warriors. Now you see uh, Durant goes down with the rib situation. Clay is out. Steph's ankle now is a real issue. Sham, the Houston Rockets are going to beat the Golden State Warriors in May. I think you're insane, and I think every guest we're going to have on is going to tell you the same thing. No, I'm going to ask. We're going to ask every guest at the end today. We have a couple good basketball guys on today, so I'm going to ask them at the end if I'm insane or not, and I'm not insane. Houston is going to beat Golden State. I, I just I just know that you're wrong. Before we jump into the po- before we jump into the first guest, uh, let them know. I should have done this at the top, but let them know where they can find us as well. So you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher if you just search in the search tab, uh, Two Gods and a Goose. That's the number two, Gods and a Goose. Uh, we should be the only Two Gods and a Goose on any podcast site. So you'll see you'll see my picture on there. You'll see Keith's picture on there. You'll see the goose on there. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. Yeah, leave like a seven or eight star review. I'm not five. Isn't even good enough for me. Uh, is Rod Beard on? He's he's. We got him on the on the line. I want to get to this man. We got a lot of hip hop to talk and stuff with Rod Beard, Detroit News. We ready to do this? We are. So this is an interview I've been looking forward to all week since I got the news we would have him on. Rod Beard, uh, Pistons beat writer for Detroit News. More importantly, a massive uh, hip hop fan old school hip-hop fan i as well am a huge old school hip-hop fan so just letting everybody know we're gonna get a couple basketball questions out of the way but then we're going straight old school hip-hop uh rod beard detroit news thanks for joining us and waking up early with us this morning man hey not a problem at all it's uh certainly a pleasure to get to talk some basketball and some hip-hop too will be fun so a couple of weeks ago you had an incident with a ladder and you getting stuck on a roof and you missing a game because of it so you want to just kind of Clear the air about what what exactly happened uh, that day. Well, didn't miss the game because of that. Just happened to have that day off. Anyway, so it was in Michigan. The weather hadn't cleared yet, and it was the first spring-type day where it was in the 50s or 60s maybe. So I said, let me go up on the roof and clean out the gutters, get the leaves and stuff out, make sure we're all good. So I was the only one home. My wife had gone to work. Kids were in school. So, yeah, just climb up on the garage. And so it was an extension ladder that has the two pieces, but it clicks every time you go up to one of the new levels. So I got up on the roof of the garage and was trying to pull the ladder up so I could go on top of the next part of the house. And the extension ladder click, 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 pulled, and it pulled the last piece off. So one of the, the halves of the extension ladder isn't long enough to get down. So I'm literally stuck on the garage and I can't get down. <laughs> So I'm looking for a little, of course, I was a kid uh, who jumped off garages and jumped off whatever. I'm like, can I jump right here? This is what, 12, 12, 15 feet. Am I going to be injured? And it, it had snowed a lot and the snow was melting. So it was a small little patch there of grass that I could have jumped on. I'm like, no, all of my neighbors are at work. Everybody's just kind of hanging out. So a FedEx driver drops a package off and I'm looking at the woman like, well, can you Come, you know what? Forget it. So I live in a suburb in Detroit, and our 
public safety stuff is very, very good. They will come at a moment's notice. So I called the police and the non-emergency line, not 911, just the non-emergency. Hey, I'm kind of stuck on my roof. Can you send somebody out? And I'm thinking they're going to send a car out, uh, any of their kind of um, landscape people, any random dude they can send out or a random woman they can send out even. Hey, pass me that little half of a ladder right there on the ground. And I can put this thing back together and climb down and we're all good. So they said that, hey, this isn't the first time this happened and it's not the last time. And he was kind of laughing about it. We'll send somebody out. So cool. Maybe five minutes later, there's a fire truck coming down the street. And I'm like, oh, my Jesus, you guys sent a fire truck to help me get down. I'm not a cat. I'm a human. I can just just give me the, the other half of the ladder and I can put it back together and make it work. So the, the firemen are laughing when they get out the truck, too, and they're like, I thought they were going to get the basket and come and get me down, but they just brought their own ladder, and I was able to climb down. But that, that night, there was a Pistons game. I had already scheduled to have it off and have somebody else cover it, but uh, I can see where people would piece the story together and say, hey, he was stuck on his roof all day and couldn't get down from there. I mean, we're all journalists. We're just trying to piece together the story, and it was just very convenient that, you know, that happened, and then you had the, you had the day off, quote-unquote, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing this story, Rod, but I got to be honest, it sounds like you couldn't make a Piston game because you were stuck on a ladder, man. <laughs> Go with your narrative, whatever works for you, but that's the uh, that's the deal. Rod Beard, Pistons beat writer for Detroit News, on with us two gods and a goose. All right, so everybody that follows you on social media, you're ridiculous if you don't, uh, it's kind of familiar. You started kind of a national phenomenon to an extent uh explain start writing to us uh it started a few years ago when i was doing uh michigan basketball i covered michigan for five years and there's always this point in the game where you you watch the game and for us we've got to have a game story right at the buzzer of any game that we're doing so it could go up on the web right when it's done so just interacting with people on twitter it's always hey there's a point where i'm going to start writing this story and i'm not going to interact with people i'm i'm just i'm going to go dark for the rest of this game because I got to write this game story. So it was just a, it was some blowout game and it was, you know what, I'm going to start writing now. And I just made a hashtag out of it just to let people know. But that was to people who followed me to know, Hey, leave me alone now. I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll post some more stuff at the end. But then it turned into this other kind of, this is when the game is officially over. This one, this thing is dead. You don't have to worry about a comeback. This is, this is it. And so it just took off on its own after a bit that people started to really like it and use it themselves. And, and for the most part, people will tag me. And, and from some high school game in Virginia or Indiana somewhere, somebody's tagging me like, hey, this, this game's over. Start writing Rod Beard. And it's just I, I never understood how it's taken off, but it's certainly a, a pleasure to see that so many people get enjoyment out of it. So how often have you given the the start writing uh, banner and been wrong? Is there like an instance? Yeah. yeah. How many false start start writings that we had? There has been one. The Super Bowl from last Ooh, year, which one. is. Yeah. Outside of that, no other ones. The other the other one where I was really close was the Michigan Kansas game where Trey Burke hit the, the long shot and they made that comeback. Everybody else had, had, had kind of given up on it. The guys on press row had started booking their flights back because that was the first game that weekend, and it was sort of, hey, we're either flying back on uh, Saturday or flying back on Monday. Most of the guys had kind of figured out, hey, we're whatever. We're, we're out of this thing and had booked their flights. So I was like, no, you know what? There's a chance. Let me give it 
So that that's the hard part about start writing is you've got to do it by eye test. You can't just look at a score and say, yeah, that game's over. You've got to see whether that team has, has officially just kicked rocks and decided they're not playing anymore. So one of the elements of start writing is defensive malaise. You've got to just have they're not playing D. They don't care anymore. They're just kind of out there. And so it's defensive malaise, it's margin, and how much time is left. And usually I don't like to do it on free throws. That doesn't determine a start writing unless it's the margin that gets it to like 25 or 30 or something. But I had rules at one point. Now it's just an eye test thing of let, let's just look and see what's going on in the game. And you can see they're dead. Kick, poke them with a stick to make sure they're dead. So the, the Pistons right now are on a brutal West Coast trip after, you know, kind of having a bad run since the All-Star break. And, you know, the Blake Griffin trade was supposed to kind of provide some sort of energy and and jolt this team and, you know, put them to the into playoff contention. It's and it seemed to do just the opposite. So Rod Beard, give us the state of the Pistons Union. Uh this is the point where you're poking them with a stick too to make sure that they're still alive. And and technically I, I haven't started writing on the season yet, but they're what, five, five and a half games back. And they're not showing any signs of life now. And this West Coast trip was just something that uh I mean you would think if nothing else, they've got to beat Sacramento and Phoenix to go two and four on this trip. The Houston one is just kind of a, uh, you caught Utah at the wrong time and you caught uh, Portland at the wrong time too, because they're, they're just playing well. But the, the Pistons right now, I think are just having to salvage something from this season. And uh, I think the last ray of hope here is that Reggie Jackson gets healthy. He can play in about 10 or 11 games and you start to see what that Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson trio looks like. That's, probably the most that you can take out of this season from for the rest of what's left and maybe see if, if any of these other guys can be contributors if uh, you want to start structuring the roster for next year. And that's that's one of the odd pieces is that this roster pretty much is what it is. There's not going to be a lot of upheaval unless you see something very, very major in a trade in the offseason. They've got these guys signed on for next year too, so there isn't going to be uh, very much attrition from guys leaving or coming back. Rod Beard, Detroit News, uh, Pistons beat writer, on with us, two gods and a goose. All right, I'm hijacking the conversation now. Uh, we started this conversation on Twitter. Uh, you are a massive old-school hip-hop fan. I do a national radio show with Sir Mix a lot right now. It's an old-school hip-hop show. I wrote down a couple things. Um, we kind of started on Twitter with best beats ever, and I wanted to kind of explore that for a second. Uh, you mentioned being a big Tribe Called Quest fan. I am a huge Tribe Called Quest fan. I'm what they would call a stan. So kind of give me a couple of your favorite beats ever. I've maintained mm -hmm. for a while that All About the Benjamins is the greatest hip-hop beat ever. I understand that's a, a very bold statement, uh, but kind of wanted to get, you know, a couple of your favorite beats ever or just, you know, game-changing beats to you. Uh, see, it's so hard because it, it's like you're looking at... Um, food and, and everybody likes a certain kind of food or they like it cooked a certain way. Pizza is this kind of this universal whatever. But what do you like on your pizza? Well, I like um, ham and pineapples. Well, that's ridiculous. How could you like ham? It's so it's so very subjective, but I'm a jazz guy. I like jazz infused beats. And, and so I'm a so Tribe Called Quest jazz. I love that beat because you take the elements of it and you kind of pull apart all of the different beats that are in there and pieces of that beat. And it's just, there's all this jazz stuff that's in there. So, so tribe stuff, um, gang star stuff, premier does a really good job of pulling together these jazz, uh, beats as well. 
So, I mean, I like Mass Appeal is, is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite beats. Um, Tribe Called Quest, Jazz, um, Relax Yourself, is, uh, or Electric Relaxation by Tribe. It's just because that time is when I was in college, and so that shaped how I viewed music and how all that stuff came together. Anything that's within that 91, 92, 93 era is sort of where I am in terms of my favorite beats. Because I can, for me, good music can put you in a specific place in a specific time. And anything, I, any tribe that I listen to, period, puts me in college or puts me in, in, in my senior year in high school. So that's, that's kind of why I, I go that direction. Nah, I'm the same exact way with the jazz and the soul samples. Um, I'm a huge Primo fan. Uh, obviously, Tribe, uh, even De La um, yeah, did some yeah. of that with uh, Break of Dawn. You know, and the Tribe thing um, is interesting, and I've had this conversation with, with people before. Uh, I don't think that people understand, New Jacks especially, especially understand the impact that Tribe sound had on some of these new rappers, the Drakes, the J. Coles, etc. I mean, I've said forever, you know, Drake was really just singing on Tribe Called Quest beats. You know, and I think um, some of that is lost on some of these new kids. You know, I've long said I think Tribe Called Quest has been, you know, one of the most influential um, entities in hip hop ever. Yeah. And to, to amplify that point, it's not just how it influences stuff now. It's how it kind of spun away from everything else that was going on at the time, because that was really the birth of gangster rap. So you had Cube and N.W.A. and, and all of those groups coming out at the same time. And so that's when people moved into a different direction of what their musical tastes were. And when De La first came out with uh, Three Feet High and Rising and Tribe came out with People's Instinctive Travels, those were two, who are these weirdos? What, what kind of music is this mm -hmm. that we're listening to? But when you go back and listen to People's Instinctive, it's just groundbreaking stuff because it was so different. They dressed so different. It sounded so different. They rapped so different than everybody else. That's what made it so innovative to me is that I could identify with that sound. I could identify with the stuff that they were talking about. And it was just different. It made you feel like a different individual that you weren't going along with the crowd, that you were doing stuff that way. And then as Tribe started, their catalog started to expand and they, they put more stuff out, then you could see how different and innovative it was. Because again, go back and listen to their first and then their second. It's just a completely different sonic switch of where they went with how they were rapping and, and what those beats were like. I mean, Bonita Applebaum still works today. You can listen to Can I Kick It today, and that's that's 25 years ago. Yeah, you know, um, when Native Tongues came out, you know, I think their sound really was kind of like you said. You know, at that point, we were Ice Cube, NWA. Um, you know, all those records were really hard and, and grimy. You know, and the Native Tongues crew, you know, that entire movement really did something we hadn't heard at that point. So I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and I wanted to transition. Uh, unfortunately, um, last week we lost Craig Mack, um, huge loss to the hip hop community. Uh, and I was kind of trying to think about Craig Mack's imp impact on hip hop. Um, obviously, Flavor in Your Ear, huge, um, huge club, huge radio record. You know, I mean, you think about Craig Mack, it was really the beginning of Bad Boy. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, what is Flavor in Your Ears place in hip-hop history? Uh, it's just kind of lumped in there because, again, when, when Bad Boy started, it was it, it took it in a different direction. That's what I like about that period in hip-hop is that it just it could it, it wasn't just this one thing. At the beginning, it was 
kind of Run DMC and everybody liked Run DMC and then Beastie Boys and LO kind of offshoots of that. But Bad Boy was this sort of we're this is party rap now. It's not just about who's the best lyricist. Eric B and Rakim is is lyricism. It's not party music per se. But all of the Bad Boy stuff and especially Flavor in Your Ear was this is stuff that you can just sit in the car and and windows down, top down, whatever you want to do. Here comes a brand new flavor in year, and it, it's a hook that you can relate to. Time for new flavor in year. That is, it's not about me being um, better than you or blah blah blah. This is just music that I want you to to just bump, just just your your boombox, whatever you got. Because before earbuds and beats and headphones and everything else, you just played your music, and and you whether it was in the car or you carried a boombox down the street, that's just what it was. And flavor in your ear was one of those. Uh, songs that you could just blast and everybody around you knew the words you could sing it you could do whatever that's what i like about that song yeah i think i came at it um kind of from a different standpoint you know because flavor in your ear was really the the starting point for bad boy you know and puffy's whole start he was doing you know some of the r&b records the the remixes the marys um those type of things you know but flavor in your ear was really the thing that got bad boy started and if you think even now the impact that bad boy and puffy has had you know in regards uh to hip-hop and even pop culture you know you think about his run from like 94 to 99 and kind of some of the oh, levels yeah. that he oh, took yeah. hip-hop yeah you know sampling the 80s records and kind of flipping them i mean he was one of the first hip-hop artists to get hip-hop on pop radio you know so i'm looking at that impact and i'm going okay flavor in your ear is the main reason that clive cut puff that check to start bad boy you know i know juicy was big you know, Biggie has some records, um, but Flavor in Your Ear was really the start of that whole thing. And, you know, it's a it's a crazy, catchy club radio song. Shout out to Easy Mo B, one of the most underrated producers ever on the beat. But, you know, I look at Flavor in Your Ear as the catalyst to a massive movement. Yeah, and that's the thing about hip-hop is that there's so many of those offshoots of kind of this thing that seems so insignificant. It seemed just so, oh, okay, there's another hit. But it just leads to so much else. And the, the Mary stuff you mentioned, the same sort of way is those aren't necessarily innovative beats, but it got to a point where people, it, it, it took the R&B stuff that you knew from the 70s and 80s and put a different spin on it and made it so that, hey, this is stuff that I can listen to now for a diff different generation of hip hop people. Yeah, I mean, I think what that what that did really is and they didn't really they kind of followed that whole formula or this whole formula with the whole 90s run. I mean, I think they just went and took 80s and 70s soul records and kind of spun a new thing on them and put them in the club. I mean, they and, and another thing they really did with the hip hop and what Puffy did, he got women involved, man, because you got them moving in the, in the dance in, in the clubs and that got women engaged with these songs. I mean, you think about. In retrospect, a record like I'm Coming Out, to know what that was in the 70s, and then Puffy made it into something that was just like complete. I mean, he did the same thing with Lisa Stansfield all around the world, that hook on Ben Around the World with Puffy and Mace and Biggie. I mean, he turned records that were kind of, you know, I don't want to say corny because they were dope in their time in the 70s, but he turned them into like, oh, this thing bangs. And, you know, I think that aspect is, is kind of underrated. And to think Flavor in Your Ear was kind of the jumping off point as far as you know, bad boy as a whole and kind of jumping it off. I mean, it's just a significant loss in hip hop to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we could talk, we could do the hip hop discussion, you know, for an hour between Rod and I, uh, we wanted to jump into a rapid fire thing and close it out with you. Uh, Rod short answers here. Um, you know, just going to do a rapid fire thing. You ready to do this rapid fire? Let's do it. 
Okay, question number one. Uh, are the Pistons coming off their second straight playoff appearance? Are they well above 500 and probably a four or five seed right now if Reggie Jackson never gets hurt? I think so because Reggie's such an integral part of what they do on the offensive end. Right now with Ish Smith, he just goes and lays in the corner and waits to shoot a corner three. Defenses don't respect it. They don't respond to it. Uh, so I think having Reggie would just be a big deal for them for this year. And it's 30-some games. Even if they only win 10 more games than they've won, they are, what, 11 and 24. They win eight more games. They're right in the playoff line. Who should start for the Pistons in Reggie's absence? Anybody but Ish. <laughs> uh, and it's nothing against Ish. He's a, a very good backup point guard, but that's his role. And having him in that starting spot really bogs down that offense quite a bit. And so if you want to go Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, Dwight Bikes, any of those guys, because really if they – Go on that weak side in the corner. They can hit that three. Defenses have to react to that. All right, I'm going to let the music uh, conversation slide back into this for one more question. Top three hip-hop groups ever. Got to be Tribe. I love Gangstar. I'm going to say Run DMC, give a hat tip to the old school because they really dictated how the rest of this was going to go. And back in the 80s, on the school bus on the way home, everybody knew King of Rock. Everybody knew that whole album. Uh, I'll say Run DMC is the third one. Your major reason that rap music got on MTV, too. Top three beards in sports. Top three beards. Uh, I'm going to say James Harden. That's a legendary beard. DeAndre Levy from the Lions, because there weren't very many big beards before his, uh, and he kept his up pretty well. And I'm going to say Dallas Keuchel as the third one from the Houston Astros. Uh, just a, It's almost like a hockey beard, the way that he kind of lets that thing just <laughs> go. That's one of the cool things. If I could grow a really good beard, I'd do that too. What is Stanley Johnson's ceiling? The ceiling is the roof, right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so hard to tell with him because uh, you almost have to break it down into two things. Is he going to do it with Stan or without Stan? Is he going to do it on this team or another team? Uh, he has a lot of potential, but think about Devin Booker, and that's always the comp for him. If he were in Phoenix and he could just go and do whatever he wanted to do like Devin Booker is doing now would he be a different player i think so so i think he has a, a fairly high ceiling i don't know if it's all-star caliber but i think he could be really good i have said and maintained that houston has the ability to beat golden state this year am i crazy rod yes yes you are i, I just don't have that same level of trust in houston because you got two perpetual underachievers in cp3 and harden who in the playoffs just haven't done it yet you got to show me in the postseason that you can do it and if you're talking about Golden State, that's a team that has done it, that has four legitimate op options offensively. And I just got to see that level of defense from Houston that they can get those stops and uh, win those big games when they have those opportunities. So who are the top three MVP candidates for this season? I, I like uh, Harden, obviously, for what he's done in, in lifting that, making them not just a good team, but an elite level team. Uh, I'll say DeMar DeRozan, too, because uh, Toronto, again, was a, a – a, third or fourth seed, maybe a second seed. And now he's really carried them by diversifying his game. He's not just a scorer. He can pass. He can do a lot of other things. And then Anthony Davis is the other one. But LeBron always gets left out of this conversation because the numbers are the numbers, and he's having statistically probably one of his better years. But, yeah, those are my top three. All right, last question. Speaking of LeBron, let's live in a hypothetical world. Um, next year, and LeBron heads to the West. He leaves the East. For the next couple of years, how good can the trio of Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, and Blake Griffin actually be? That's the hard part of this season that um, you got to figure out where Reggie Jackson still is. He's got to be healthy for a whole season to try to figure that out. 
And that's what I'm interested to see in maybe these last 10 games, if Jackson's able to come back and play, how that fit works together with him on the wing instead of Ish, uh, him creating and running uh, 1-4 pick and roll, 1-5 pick and roll, how all that stuff actually works out. I think they can be good, but they've got to be healthy. They need one more piece. And, and again, when you look at the NBA in current times, twos and threes are the ones that really dictate a lot of how good teams are going to be. And the Pistons, two-spot and three-spot are probably their two weakest right now. So those are areas they've got to improve for them to really be legitimate and contend in the East. Absolutely. That is Rod Beard, Detroit News. Uh, killed it for us. Uh, Rod, let them know on social media where they can follow you if they're not following you already. On Twitter, it's DET News Rod Beard. Uh, sometimes I post some stuff on Instagram, and that's Rod L. Beard. And um, all of my Twitter stuff is always already open, so if people just want to send me messages randomly, I'll respond to most of those DMs there, too. But, yeah, those are the main two platforms I'm on. Great combo, man. Thank you for getting up with us and being on with us. We're going to bother the hell out of you to come back. We can do part two of the hip-hop discussion. Rod Beard, Detroit News. Thank you, man, for hanging out with us. Hey, absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. More podcast hits us because they ain't us. Now we got James Hollis, Snotty Drippin, <laughs> uh, the HGH advocate on with us. Uh, he has a plethora of pods, bod pod, Dunktails podcast. He has 19 podcasts, yeah, literally. Yeah, it's crazy. And he wants to plug every single one of them. He, he, he writes for B-Ball Breakdown, Real Ball Insider, who knows what else. Uh, Snotty, you want to kind of plug your stuff, plug your Twitter? No, because I'm eating an orange, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I've been coasting on my name for, like, the last four months. I haven't written shit. I haven't done shit. I'm kind of a fraud, so... Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, so we'll start uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we want to talk about which players impressed you the most in the tournament. Who's somebody um, also that you were high on that's kind of disappointed you? I know we're early in the tournament, but... Ooh, you're about to be disappointed. I haven't watched a single minute of that bullshit. <laughs> Snotty dripping with us. Uh, Dunk Tales podcast. <laughs> B-Ball breakdown. 19 other podcasts. Can already see where this is going. Yeah, man. Hey, so first of all, so this is my thing. I'm I'm uh, philosophically opposed to the NCAA, so I'm not going to give them my business. I don't give a f about the tournament. I don't give a damn about the excitement of March Madness because I'm, I'm pro ball is so much better than the college ball. It's like um, the sperm swimming up to the egg. I want to see the baby be like be born, right? <laughs> so the NBA is the, the NBA is the baby. I don't want to. And watch the zygote. No, nah, I actually agree yeah. with him. I actually agree with him. I don't want no more NCAA questions from now on in this on the show. We're not doing NCAA. I actually agree. I can't discuss a little bit. Like I do know that uh, Trey Young started the season gangbusters, and I was a little, you know, I heard, I saw the people writing the stuff, Curry comparisons, and this, you know, this guy's a top three pick. And then I watched him tail off, and I heard everybody get quiet. You know how I knew? I heard, no one started talking about him, and I did see articles about him. I went to my own research, and I realized that he was shooting like 30% from the floor, 24% from three, and he was averaging like six turnovers a game and eight assists. And I was like, oh, that's why nobody's talking about him, because he's, he's, now he's playing like, like uh, you know, as if Allen Iverson came back to the league today. So he wasn't playing very well. Hey, um, I, I love AI. But the point, oh, Trey Young, and he's going to be good. I think it's gonna be good. It's just the fact that you know he's he's not the most athletic. We saw what happened when te when teams could really scheme for him. And sure, the Steph Curry thing works if you make him, but if you're missing him, it looks bad. And that's what we saw with Trey Young. So I'm just I'm kind of intrigued to where he's gonna fall and where how he's gonna look as a pro. This is a stupid discussion. Let's move on to the next one. All right, so I want to talk <laughs> about uh, the Pistons. That's really where I want to go with you because um, I had seen that you're kind of a Blake Griffin is really good advocate. Um, 
not saying he's not, so don't attack me immediately. But um, you know what happened with the Pistons, and then where do we go from from here? In I your mean, opinion? Blake Griffin, I, it, it's he's stuck in transition because he's trying to he's shooting the three a little more. And I, I saw, I think the last six games, he was averaging like twenty five, five and five, and shooting like forty eight percent from three or something, six attempts. So he's been playing well. But I mean, who are the starters? They're starting uh, Ish Smith. Who's who's the two guard? Uh, Reggie who. Bullock. Reggie Bullock. Come on, guys. And who's who's the three right now? Who's who's at three? I mean, uh, I might as well play the three. Yeah. So I mean, how much how much are we gonna dog Blake Griffin right now? Because he's playing at a high level offensively. He's not a defensive mastermind. Um, Drummond's playing well. You know, doing his thing. Drummond's gonna rebound, and he's he's been better. Drummond's biggest strength this season. If you guys tell me if I'm wrong, one of his biggest improvements was passing. Right. So that's awesome. At the same time, and like, free throw shooting. Yeah, and free throw shooting, obviously. But yeah, him and Blake have so much overlap. And then you got three guys who probably they shouldn't be starting, right? Ish, Reggie Bullock, and and whoever you guys who's starting. I don't even know seriously who's starting through right now. Probably Stanley. A lot of times, it's Stanley. been Stanley or James Ennis. But yeah, both those so, guys. So let's think, let's think about that. You, you put them on the court with James Ennis, uh, Reggie Bullock, and Ish Smith. What do you? What do we want? You know, what I mean, how much can you really? Look at Blake and say, "Oh, well, use." And he doesn't suck. And I think I get it. In the in the last year, of this contract is going to be tough. You know, last couple of years might look bad. But right now, he's not. He's not a bad player. He I saw he started off pretty decently. He had a swoon in the middle where he wasn't very good for, I don't know what a couple of weeks, and now he's playing. He's play, but it doesn't matter what he does. It's it's you're you're putting a finger in a, in, in a, a, a leaky dike that's spring leaks everywhere because the the Pistons are just injury luck. You know, Reggie, Reggie Jackson going out and everything else just kind of pinballed down behind that. Not as bad as last year, right? Last year was a cascading effect where, like, the team just fell into a funk because Reggie was out and him and Ish Smith, like, kind of bumping heads. This year, it's it's kind of the same, not the same because there's a little more positivity around the team and they played better longer. But at the same time, what do you want Blake Griffin to do right now? So I'm still high on him. He's a talented player. He's I think he's more in that – um kind of Paul George, mid, you know, like mid-teens level type player, which is still really good, you know, even like low 20s type player. Really good player, he just has some glaring flaws, and you don't really want – you got to put a very specific team around him to, to find success. Yeah, I think until – I've maintained the whole time, like, you know, until Reggie comes back, until those three can kind of work with the pick and roll, until till we get actually a starting point guard, forget the other positions, until we get a dude that can actually – is a starting quality, you know, starting point guard quality. You can't really tell anything. So I'm absolutely with you on that. And I think Drummond's has taken a Drummond's taken a huge step in multiple areas this year to where the whole season definitely isn't a wash. But I think, you know, we can't really tell anything until then. Yeah, man. Like Reggie's not a bad player. He can't stay healthy though. It's it's a sunken cost. So I think the fear is if you kind of strip S- SVG from that GM or like president of basketball operations role, that then there's no incentive for him to stick around at all. Okay. Because that was kind of the incentive that he that he came here, uh, you know that would that's what drew him here in the first place over other spots. So at that point, is it just better just to move on from him altogether? Uh, that's, that was my next thing. I mean, like it's not like you had. A, he, I think he's a he's a decent coach, but if he's if he's hamstering himself with bad players and and and, and like not smart roster person roster moves, what's the point of having him if he's not going to win? Because you're not winning. So it's a it's a. The, I guess what chicken or the egg kind of thing. Then all right, so then let him. I guess just let him walk and find another coach. Because if you let him stay as the GM, I'm pretty sure. Like, and I've seen it. Pistons Twitter is just kind of they're kind of morose and they're not very high on the future because you know the Blake contract and what's going to happen with Reggie. 
Um, the like the ceiling on this team doesn't feel like like oh well next year will be so much better. Yeah, Raiders healthy. Obviously, yeah, I mean, things I, are going to be better, but like how much better? First off, Pistons Twitter's falling apart. You guys f- with Duncan Smith? Yeah, he's our love guru expert on this show. Yeah, he's our sex. I love, you, I love you, Duncan. Don't, sex don't you ever f- subtweet me again, you son of a bitch. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. Let's just pause. Let's talk about this. I, I missed it. Yeah, I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't even care either way. Um, but. <laughs> What is, this, what is this team ceiling uh, with Blake and everyone else healthy? If LeBron, let's live in a world where LeBron goes to the West next year. Where do you see, like, where is the ceiling for this team in the East? Because let's be honest, if LeBron leaves the East, it's kind of more open than it was in current state. Um, They're not going to be better than the Celtics, who are, if they're healthy. Not better than the Raptors, who are showing that they're in the corner. They're probably not like honestly. I don't think I, it's hard for me to see them being better than Philly next season. You know, Philly's going to take a step forward with, with another year of Embiid and, and Simmons. Um, I'm not like even like the Wizards, so they'll be right in the middle of the pack, which isn't terrible. You know, maybe four or five type. They could be right there, maybe with the Wizards. Better than Milwaukee. Uh, and then man, Milwaukee has some things to, to sort out too. I think they got they got to figure out their coach issue, and they got to find more. A more cohesive offense, but yeah, right in that same mix. Uh, I, I still would probably. I always look at who, which team has the best player, and with Gian, with Giannis, um, you know, with Giannis kind of as the focal point, in Milwaukee. It'd be hard for me to pick Detroit over Milwaukee. So yeah, that same that four, five, six range, I guess, which isn't horrible, but you you you'd want better, obviously. So there are two teams that kind of float in the same waters as the Pistons you know, for the past two or three years, and that's in, uh, the Pacers and the Miami Heat. So what is your opinion on them? Because like, I know you say that um, you kind of look at the set the at the best player, and both of those teams really have, you know, Oladipo is a, is a good player. He really broke out this season, but how, like, what is his ceiling? Is he ever going to be at the, you know, in the top top five, top ten players in the NBA? And then the Heat's best player is Whiteside, and he's not really – Is he the yeah, best player? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Dragic is having a good season. Wade has been playing well since going there. I I don't know. Wade's 240, so I'm not going to put him as their best player. I'd probably say Dragic has been their best player. And here's the thing with the Heat. They're perfectly set up for a star. They're a team of really good role players, basically. Like even Whiteside and, and Dragic. Dragic's not meant to be a number one kind of option, right? He's best as a – if he's your third best player, you're in a good spot. If he's your, if he's your best player, then you're the Heat. Um and again, right? They're they're right around five hundred, a little bit over five hundred. They're they're a good team. They're solid. So, but I just they don't have the ceiling because I I, I think until unless one of those guys pops, like some guys are really high in Josh Richardson. Um, our boy Dave DeFore seemed to I think he was not really comparing to Kawhi, but he was like, hey, look, you know, what year three, year three of Josh. They think people are saying that he has a, a, a another couple levels that he might he might hop up. He's a good player. But they have long athletes. Um, they're very switchy, and so they're going to be, you know, and suppose a great coach. I just they're, they're a player away. They still need a star in Miami, so I'm not too high on them. Now the Pacers and Oladipo. If he plays like this for another year, then you kind of gotta, you know, sure, one year is one year, and it's hard to really put a guy, hey, you're a top ten player. But if he plays like this next year too, and he plays decent defense, and the Pacers actually are, you know, they're they're winning. If he keeps playing like this, then you got to consider him, you know. If not, he's not a superstar. There's only like four or five superstars. But Oladipo is definitely going to, you know, he's going to make a name for himself as a quality star in this league. If we transition to the MVP race, um, to you, is it a one-man thing right now? Is there any other names aside from Harden that even have a shot at this thing? Um, 
Anthony Davis, I think, had a legit surge, and he was he's still playing well, of course, but he's he's falling off that insane pace. If he had kind of like not even maintained that, he, if he had tailed off a little bit, he definitely look. It's a it's a what have you done for me lately? League voters are the same. Voters are human. Recency bias is real. The way he was playing, he threw his name into the hat. People were seriously saying, "Oh, he he deserves MVP consideration." Uh, but yeah, right now it's Harden. It should be it's head and shoulders Harden, and he. The only reason I want it not to be Harden is so I could watch the Houston fan base just watching the uh, the Houston blog site still complain about Russell Westbrook is one that like it's it makes my it makes my day it makes me smile inside. Like I said earlier, we had Rod Beard on with us earlier, and he had thrown a name out at the second you know in second place in the MB- MVP race that I had actually not heard before, and I thought it was interesting. Ooh, Dame. Nope. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan. Yeah. One more time. I'm going to show that I'm double jointed. I'm going to pat myself on the back because even last season, it's so funny how there's this, there's these different factions of Twitter that just feel like they, I don't know if they want to be, you know, intelligentsia, if they want to be avant-garde. They were saying that DeRozan wasn't good last year when he averaged like 27, five and five, whatever it was. And, you know, now he's quote unquote good because he's shooting three pointers. Shut the f*** up. The guy's been great for years. Um, and yeah, look, the Raptors are number one in the number one in the East. Best player on the best team in the East. You got to put him in the MVP conversation. Now, is he up there with Harden? No, I don't think he's up there with Harden. But he's he has to be in the conversation. With Toronto, are you in the same watching watching see prove me right type thing with um, or prove it to me? I guess I should say thing with them that you are with some of the other teams in the East where they've had playoff struggles. Are you still on some like, well, let's see DeRozan and, and Lowry do it in the postseason before you're a full believer on Toronto? Um, I mean, it's they've they've totally overhauled so many things that I'm not even going to say let's see them. I don't believe until that I see it. I want to see just if this works because this is not the same as last year. It's not the same. Not the same as the year before. And I'm going to give the Raptors that respect and not just say, well, same old Raptors because they're not. They've changed so much. Um, I made this comparison. You guys remember that book, Animal Farm? Yes. Remember the part yeah. where um, I think the Doberman gives birth and then the pig runs off, t- takes the little puppies away and you don't hear about them all book. And at the end of the book, yeah. all of a sudden there's all these attack dogs. <laughs> and like, yeah, they raise these attack dogs. That's the Raptors bench. We didn't think crap about the Raptors bench all this time. And all of a sudden it's a buzzsaw. And it's like, that's legit. Van Vliet, no boys are legit. So right. um, that's that's a it's it's a um, an angle they didn't have last season. It's definitely an angle they didn't have last season. But we do know in the playoffs, it's all about your starters and star power and like they short rotation. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, that's I'm not going to even say they got to win game one because that's dumb. Let's just see them win some series. And it's going to be tough because LeBron's going to be LeBron. And they, there's still no LeBron stopper. That's what – we're not going to call them a failure if they don't beat LeBron, right? I mean, would so you I, consider it a failure in the postseason if if they ran into LeBron and let's say they got swept? Like, let's just say, like, they got destroyed by LeBron. Would you still consider the season a failure? No, because he's LeBron James. What do you – like, they, they showed but, last but year. even to not be competitive, just, just no, get No, it's LeBron James. It's LeBron James. He, there's no answer for him. There's absolutely no answer for him. And if their team actually, if they start playing defense and LeBron's averaging 35 a game and, you know, you get your doors blown off. I mean, I can see what you're saying. Is it a failure because you did all this change in the culture and you did all this talking and all this and then you get blown out again? Sure. Sure. It's, it's a failure and it sucks for Raptors fans. So yeah, I can see what you're saying. I was trying to be magnanimous about it, but yes, it's, it would be seen as a failure by everyone. Everybody would like say, see, same old Raptors. So, um, and that would suck because it's I'm 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 now in the camp of uh, Matt Moore, HP basketball, where you don't you can you can be a very successful team and not win. 
like the Memphis Grizzlies were great for seven years for that for the region for the league, and you know they didn't have a lot of postseason success. You know, and it, it happens. But you can be a good team, a successful team, and not be a contender, and that's okay. So speaking of contenders, um, I know you're a Celtics guy. So Marcus Smart just went down with an injury. So I mean, he's a he's a big part of the Celtics defense, but. How far do you think the Celtics are realistically going to go? Like seeing it from a non-Celtics fan perspective. He was their heart. Look, Smart is the heart and soul of that defense. And, you know, people say I think like Roberson, I think, is the is the, the linchpin of the Thunder defense. But like Smart really makes that defense go. And not just defensively, even offensively. It's funny, as bad as he shoots, somehow things kind of just click when he's on the floor. He's a really good player. So um, I, I'm going to say this. We weren't contenders before Smart went down. Once Gordon Hayward went down, any thought of contention for me went out the window. Are you if if Hay, if Gordon Hayward's there, you you are of the belief that they could have beaten LeBron James? Uh, yeah, I, I I thought that was a, we, I, we were finals bound, and that that could be me being optimistic. But just to me, versatility and length is what they're all about. And Boston has it in spades. You know they still do, but you know imagine they could put out a, a they could run they could have tried it out. Uh, Kyrie, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, you're switching everything. You know, if you want to go jumbo, you can bring in Marcus Smart at the point for defensive lineups. You could have brought in, you know, Aaron Baines and then uh, Horford and and went big. There are so many options, and they were so deep. And as we saw, Cleveland was really struggling this year, and Cleveland still not have it. They still didn't have it all together. So I think that with the healthy Gordon Hayward shooting and space the floor and making plays, this team would have been a buzz. So I think. I think they would have won over sixty games, and they would have, you know, they would have, they would have owned the East this year. I last question. Uh, I've been asking everybody this. Um, I am of the opinion that the Houston Rockets have the ability to beat Golden State. Am I crazy? I would have said two weeks ago that yes, you were crazy. Now Clay's out with a thumb injury, shooting hand. That's that could be a big deal, like a huge deal. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Jason. Well, of course you do. Everyone, everyone talked about how he was 19 years old and doing it. Jason Tatum was shooting, you know, leading the league in three-point shooting until about mid-December. People don't, I don't think people realize this. He, he, he uh, dislocated his finger in the game. And right after that, his shooting went into a crapper. So like fingers and thumbs and stuff matter on your shooting hand for shooters. And Clay's one of the best of all times. We'll see how this thumb affects his shooting when he comes back. Um, Steph's ankles, like that's a real thing. Um, you know, Kevin Durant, that's the real thing. Like we, it was gone for a couple of years, but this season it's been bad, you know, and it's all it takes is one role in the playoffs and everything changes and knock on wood. I don't want it to happen. Kevin Durant now with the ribs, uh, his timing and rhythm, is going to be off. Dre is dealing with something like they were remarkably healthy, more or less over the last three years, except for, you know, that's of course Steph's ankle and, and, uh, and Iggy got hurt at the wrong time in the finals, and that got him Kevin Durant. So that was actually lucky for them. So um, yeah, man, injuries can change the whole tenor of this. And Houston right now is playing out of their minds. Um, so yeah, two weeks ago I would have said that you were nuts, and that Golden State with two MVP type players and two other All Stars is just too much. Yeah, I mean the injuries played into my to my thought there, but I really just kind of looked at it. And all right, you look at all the records that the Houston offense are setting this year as far as. Um, you know, just the things they're doing. I mean, and then the num- the records with um, Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella in together where they've lost like one time or something. But really my where I came to this point was I really think that Houston, you know, it's a seven-game series. You got to beat a team four times. I think that Houston can play. They can shoot, they can shoot threes with Golden State 
and they could outshoot Golden State. They have the potential to outshoot Golden State for four games. So that's why I kind of came from the standpoint of they have the ability to be Golden State, and I don't think anybody else does. Theoretically, I see where you're coming from. I just I'm not going to be depending on PJ Tucker and Luke many names, Luke my but Luke many names, and like it, it, it all come down to the top of the top of the order, right? And it's, can James Harden, who's his playoff failures have been you no know, very bright, but he's also played pretty well in the playoffs. Chris Paul actually plays better in the playoffs. I, I don't really like Chris Paul, but I can't deny that he's a, he's been a playoff performer. And you know, hey, Clint Capel's gonna be dunking stuff. So like, that's that's hard to ma- those those three guys. If they show up, and uh, Eric Gordon, I think is gonna be the linchpin. He's gonna be the the X factor. He if he plays well, especially against uh, a hobbled Golden State, then yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got James Hollis on. Uh, thanks for coming on with us, AK Snotty Drippin. Two podcasts that I know of, at least. I don't know. He must have fifteen others. We got yeah. Plug yo, plug your nineteen podcasts and your social media. This is all a big deal to you. So go ahead and plug <laughs> it. Plug it real quick. <laughs> you piece of. Shit. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Snotty Drippin, which is an homage to Scotty Pippen. Oh, so just change no, seriously, damn. Change some I letters. Never got that. Change some letters around. Well, see, people always spell it wrong. Said just. Felt like you'd spell Scotty Pippen and then change the letters, and they, they don't still don't get it. So whatever. Um, you can check us out on the Dunk Tales podcast with that idiot Joe Borelli. Um, check us out. He was on last episode. Oh, Joe was Joe was on this before me. Yeah, he was on the last episode. Oh wow, you guys really can't eat it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then the Bod Pod with Chris Axman and Dave Dufour and that Dan Morang and. Uh, Cole, oh, Cole's Wicker. Cole's Wicker is actually part of the bot pod, even though he's, he thinks he's too good for us. So that's cool. And, uh, yeah, B-Ball Breakdown, I'm still writing for them. I, I got some uh, coming down the works about rookies. And then, yeah, Real Ball Insiders, which I, I need to just do some because I, I have a lot of things I want to write, but I'm lazy. So. And a ghost podcast. All right, you know what we do. We end every show. Uh, it's my mom's favorite segment of the podcast. She fast-forwards through the rest of the crap. And gets right to Ask Sham. Uh, at Sham Sham God on Twitter, they can ask you ha- at hashtag Ask Sham. Uh, are you ready, Sham? You've been unleashing the hot takes. He's standing up right now, ladies and gentlemen. You've been waiting for four or five weeks. Are you ready, Sham? I'm ready. And now it's time for Ask Sham. Question number one. Now that OJ admitted he did it, did he actually do it? Of course he did it. What kind of what kind of question is that? He admitted to doing it. It's clear that he's a murderer. He should spend the rest of his life in jail, but the juice is loose. How good of a coach is Eric Spolstra? He is the most underrated coach in the NBA right now. He manages to bring a crappy Miami Heat team to playoff relevance year after year. And he had the LeBron James guy that one year, but what he's done post-LeBron is nothing short of brilliant. He is really, really good. Just to quote Tim Kirkjian here, he's really good. Is it weird to refer to milk as cow-flavored white water? It's weird because milk doesn't just come from cows. It comes from sheep, it comes from women, it comes from goats, it comes from it comes from everything. So it's weird to refer it to like refer to it as cow-flavored white water. You can call it whatever animal it comes from. If you're drinking goat milk, goat flavored white water, completely acceptable. If you ever referred to milk as cow flavored white water, are you a weirdo? No, you're a scientist. What is better, soggy or crunchy cereal? Okay, what psychopath likes crunchy cereal? Who likes crunchy cereal? 
Everybody likes the soggy cereal that just absorbs into the milk, and there's two, two benefits to soggy cereal. One, goes down quickly in that big spoon that you have. Two, the milk gets flavored. Whatever flavor you have in, in the cereal. Frosted Flakes, if you have crunchy Frosted Flakes, and you drink the milk, it still tastes like milk. If you have soggy Frosted Flakes, drink the milk, it tastes like sugar. Soggy. Did you invent the sham wow? I did not, but I invented the wow. Sham. Is Reggie Jackson of the Pistons underrated? Very underrated. The Pistons have been complete booty without him. And they are relying on his knee to be good this season and beyond. And even with Blake Griffin, without a healthy Reggie Jackson, the Pistons are booty. Office fans are still posting uh, Scranton Strangler conspiracy theories online. Once and for all, was Toby Flenderson actually the Scranton Strangler? This should be unanimous. He, of course, is the Scranton Strangler. If you watch the show, he was absent every single time that the Scranton Strangler actually committed his crime. He strangled himself to frame somebody else, the Scranton Strangler. Uh, he was gone during the trial. He went to Costa Rica, came back. He was just a salty man, and of course he strangled people. Is Nate McMillan the NBA Coach of the Year this no. year? No. Um, the Coach of the Year is Dwayne Casey, and let me tell you, Dwayne Casey is the most underrated coach in the NBA. Reminder, you just said Eric Spolstra was the most underrated coach in the game. I had changed my mind. Uh, is AJ Mohile the most underrated follow on Twitter? Yes, my dad, AJ Mohile, is the most underrated follow on Twitter. Make sure you follow him at Mohile, M-O-H-I-L-E, says, S-A-Y-Z. That says with a Z at the end. That's how cool he is, and that's how underrated he is. Uh, this next question comes from my mom. In light of this season's kneeling, linking arms, and other forms of protest slash solidarity, do you think NFL owners will try to establish rules against those activities next season? I don't know if they'll establish rules for it necessarily, but they definitely will continue to blackball those that participate in those activities. Um, Eric Reed last year participated in the activities. He's still unsigned. Colin Kaepernick has been unsigned for for years now, and he is better than Chad Henney, Chase Daniel, other quarterbacks that have been getting jobs. It might not be rules, but the unwritten rules say a lot. All right, so that is Ask Sham hashtag Ask Sham on social media. You can follow us at envious 23 at Sham Sham God on Twitter. Uh, that is episode four. We thank you guys for bearing with us. Uh, during our little hiatus. Uh, thank you to Rod Beard, Piston Beat Writer, Detroit News. Thank you to Snotty Drippin' of 25 different podcasts. Uh, there you go, episode four. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Search Two Gods and a Goose. Give us the great reviews, and we will see y'all for episode five. <laughs>